Hey, what's up everybody? It's Jeff Grammer of the Albuquerque Journal and this is episode 15 now of my Talking Grammar podcast and I'm happy to have you here. Very, very pleased that you uh, decided to give this a listen, whether it be through iTunes, maybe you got us from SoundCloud, maybe you found us on the Albuquerque Journal's website, abqjournal.com, where we post all the past podcasts and this one included. Had a good one, had a good fun one this week. Uh, Was able to talk to Kevin Mackey. Kevin's a um, uh, an NBA scout with the Indiana Pacers and a former college basketball coach. I wrote a story about a year ago, a little over a year ago now. It was in a four-part series that I called Weir's Science, and it was sort of uh, talking about the the new and inventive ways that then-rookie Lobo basketball coach Paul Weir was was trying to, um, I guess, rebuild and rebrand, if, if you will, the Lobo basketball program when he got hired. One of those ways, and it was the first part of the series actually, was his hope, his desire to to run and gun, run and run and shoot, and, and full court press, and use the elevation to his advantage, to the teams and programs' advantage. And that's that's nice to hear. Something you hear from coaches all the time. Every introductory press conference from a head coach talks about how he's gonna his team's gonna run more. Paul Weir actually took the next step, called. Kevin Mackey um, for some advice and had him fly out to Albuquerque a year ago, sort of teach the coaching staff about the run and stun press defense. That was sort of the architect, uh, Kevin Mackey, sort of the architect of that run and stun defense. He coached Cleveland State. He is best known probably for a 29 win season in the 80s where he led his Cleveland State team to beat a number three seed in the NCAA tournament coached by Bobby Knight, the Indiana Hoosiers, and former Lobo coach and then All-American shooting guard Steve Alford. And he did it by using this press, the press that Paul Weir decided a year ago, look, if I want any chance to win with this team, with this roster at that time, remember, quite the depleted roster. Um, A lot of people had transferred either prior to or after the firing of Craig Neal last year. So Paul Weir decided he was going to run. He's going to run like crazy, and he wanted to press, but he didn't just want it to be total chaos. Maybe it looks like chaos sometimes. He wanted it to be, I guess, a controlled chaos. So he brought in Kevin Mackey to advise him, advise the coaching staff, and to also teach then a certain kind of press. The Lobos, a year later, still kind of looking for a name, still trying to brand that press, but Paul Weir says he is now more than ever married to the idea that he will be doing this press not only again this season but throughout his coaching career he believes this is the best way to coach a team because it not only brings in a defensive philosophy a defensive strategy but it also incorporates a new mindset uh to run this press the style kevin mackey teaches it you have to be bought in. Uh, players can't really half-ass this. They, it's as he puts it, one foot in doesn't work. You need both feet in, and that was sort of the mindset that that Paul Weir wanted his team a year ago. That maybe didn't have the most talent, although I think it gets overstated a little bit that they were a talentless team. They, they certainly had talent on that team, but but uh, anyway, um, Paul Weir decided that from a mindset standpoint, as much as an X is an O standpoint, he wanted to send a message. He decided the run and stun press was how he was going to do it. So he brought Kevin Mackey in and it started to work last year. Um, the downside of Kevin Mackey's press, the run and stun, and, and to be fully committed to it, one year ago, I'll, I'll point out, 
He said only one school in all of basketball was doing it. Another school he actually advised, by the way, and that was Bobby Huggins at uh, West Virginia, as, as it's now known as they branded themselves, Press Virginia. So that was the only school in Kevin Mackey's mind that was really doing this. Now he believes there's at least two because he he does think that there was a commitment made and uh, followed through on by Paul Weir and the team to to do this press all year. So fast forward a year later, here we are. Paul Weir wants to advance the cause, if you will. He wants to take the next step in what the pressure, uh, what the press defense can bring to the Lobo program now that he's recruited players into it, now that the talent level has taken a step forward. What what does that mean for the Lobos? Is it, uh, if it was a, a press just to sort of bridge the gap between not having a ton of talent compared to the teams that have more talent? Well, now that they have more talent, it, do you kind of toss this out? Not according to Paul Weir. So here we are. Kevin Mackey comes out to visit the Lobos this week, and I found out about it late Monday night, and he actually flew out Tuesday morning. So I met him at his hotel on Tuesday morning, kind of uh, surprised him a little bit um, over breakfast at a hotel lobby. I recorded a conversation with Kevin Mackey, the uh, the scout for the uh, Indiana Pacers, by the way, at the end of this podcast. We also talk about two former Lobo greats who uh, have Indiana Pacer ties. One, Kevin Mackey worked with with the Pacers for years. That's Mel Daniels. He has some stories about that. One, Kevin Mackey was already in the scouting department when they drafted Danny Granger. So a couple little comments about that. End of the podcast, a little bit abrupt. I knew he had a flight to catch, so I kind of cut it off there at the end. But um, was lucky enough to, to catch him, to talk to him about what he teaches a program in year two. His thoughts about what the Lobos are doing. Paul Weir was there and joined us for this. All right, so here we go. Um, let's get to it now. Kevin Mackey, Paul Weir, joined me from a hotel lobby. You'll hear it in the background. Some people eating their breakfast. We unfortunately sat pretty close to the front door, so you'll hear the sliding glass doors every now and then. But here we go. Kevin Mackey, the architect of the Run and Stun press defense, and Paul Weir, who's still trying to institute that Run and Stun press defense at UNM, on episode 15 of the Talking Grammar podcast. Heading back today, but you, for the second year in a row now, have, have come to Albuquerque uh, to talk with with Paul Weir and uh, the Lobo basketball team. I want to start off with kind of a step back, though. Why why is it that college coaches call you and uh, try and pick your brain every year, I think? Um, what, what are they doing? What are they asking you for? Well, a long time ago, we had terrific uh, success with the pressure. Uh, and it defined us at um, at Cleveland State. It was it was a, a a school at the time people had hadn't heard about in an ur- urban school basketball wise they hadn't heard about Cleveland State and and we built we built a, a, a very good program had a lot of success there and and you know at the time had an unbelievable uh, a win in a year, a special year when we went 29 and uh, four. I went to the Sweet 16 and, and beat uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time in Bobby Knight in I, Indiana. And, and I want to interject there real quick because in these parts, that game 
uh, maybe then didn't mean as, mean as much. Right. But uh, not only did you end up beating Bobby Knight, who coached at Texas Tech, and right. in, in these parts they know him. They had a player by the name of Steve Alford on that team, I believe. Right. And Steve, I've got gotten to know Steve very well. Steve was a, a, certainly a great, great college player, a great Olympian with the gold medal, and now is one of the, uh, our, our best uh, our best college coaches in, in the country. And we just, we just uh, took... Uh, uh, drafted Aaron Holiday for yeah. the for the Pacers and and uh, so he's he's doing a great job out at out at UCLA and he did a great job here at, at, when when he was here coaching. And last week his son Bryce was named to uh, Team USA, not the obviously the the senior team, but kind of the not the the main team obviously. But they're going to be doing some qualifying games and Bryce is playing for that, so that was that was good to see. He's right. a local product, right? Right. And Bryce Bryce played for us in the summer league this year yeah. for, the, for the Pacers, so we know we don't we know the family very well, and obviously they have great ties. And uh, Steve is one of the all time greats coming out of uh, Indiana. All right, so back to that Indiana game though, you. That really, I would say, put you on the map. But would you say you needed a win like that or a Sweet 16 run to sort of validate what you were doing? Well, well, uh, th- th- that validates it. That makes it uh, now the pu- the public accepts it, yeah. and and uh, th- then it it becomes it became an identity. What what I was identified with the we called it the run and stun, and it was uh, uh, we used ten guys and we played ten guys double figure minutes. The the kid, we led the with the six six and a half center. We led the country in rebound uh, margin, uh, and and uh, you know so so like with with Coach Huggins, we had great. He was at Akron. We had great success against them. We beat them five out of six times. And in my opinion, Bobby Huggins is a Hall of Fame coach. He'll yeah. go he'll go to the Hall of Fame. He's 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 a great coach, and uh, and he he went late. In his career, he went to to the pressure. Very few guys who were so successful, uh, I think, are smart enough, are adaptive enough, and are into the game enough. When you understand who's playing the game today, where the kids come from, and so many of our, our young people today playing basketball are so blessed physically with quick feet, long arms. Arms, great reactions, and to to use that, yeah. okay, to use those abilities that they have, and then once they get into it, they 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 like it because they realize they're getting in better condition, they're in better shape, they're going to get a chance to play. And the coach, the coach always says it's about your effort, okay. It, you have to give me the effort, or you can't play. They have to buy in. They have to put both feet in. You can't have one feet, one foot in and one foot out, uh, and then the coach is going to try to coach it up. That's not going to work. Well, a year ago at this time, Paul has – I shouldn't say a year ago because it started before he got here, but for, for Lobo basketball purposes, new head coach comes in, says he wants to press. You know, running and pressing is what every coach says at their right. opening press conference, you know, that they're going right. to do. Um, but he actually, he called you. you, you did come to Albuquerque a year ago, sat down with the coaching staff. I, I'm curious, um, what the general kind of cliff notes version of what you tell coaches when they call you. It's not so much, um, the X's and O's that I'm looking for, but no, no right. And, 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 in truth, the X's and O's are secondary. Okay. To it's a belief system. Okay. Whether or not you believe that this will work, that this thing will ele- elevate your team 
that this is real. It's very good it, it, for your players. It creates a culture where you play harder all the time because if you don't, if you don't get the effort, it is a layup drill. It is the worst nightmare of all the coaches who are afraid to do it, who toy with it. And I can't tell you how many people have called me about it. And and there's guys now on ESPN, okay, who, who and I'm not going to name the <laughs> names, all right, who are big name TV guys who I spent a lot of time with and, and over the years. Not when they were TV guys, probably. When they were coaches <laughs> and they couldn't, they couldn't bring, and they said, Kevin, at the end, I was just afraid. I, 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 I couldn't sleep at night. I think I was afraid it was going to be a, a, a layup drill. And if they, they don't get the defensive transition and the whole thing, it, it, it becomes a lay, layup drill. And, and so, the, you know, I put that out right, right away. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Okay. And you, you have to believe in the thing. And, uh, and now, uh, New Mexico, Paul's team got better as the year went on, and now I think you're going to see another major step as this year develops. The the point you're making about they have to buy in, Paul, I want to ask you here. You had, in my estimation, two real good opportunities last year to jump ship on this. Um, One was the Tennessee Tech game, um, a game you guys shouldn't have lost at home. Um, New Mexico shouldn't be losing those games. I think you would agree with that. Um, That was the epitome of a layup drill um, in this setup, um, in this scenario to me. But then even beyond that, you guys in your first 11 games were at three and eight. And there were kind of two points, um, maybe anywhere along that three and eight stretch, maybe when it was three and seven or three and six, you thought about it, but you had two, two really good opportunities to say, this just isn't working for us. Um, It didn't look good. Why didn't you abandon um, the run and stun for for lack of a a Lobo specific brand at this point? Why didn't you abandon it? And how much of your decision went into remembering that the warning from the start was you got to stick with it if you want it to work? I mean, I knew just even from researching Huggins, it it almost took three years. Like it was year three that they really kind of um, took a jump at West Virginia um, so I had that number a little bit in the back of my head for sure, and I I can now that's not myself, a number you can tell Lobo fans exactly. This might take no three exactly years. right, but in the back of my head I thought, look, this is not going to be a November of first year. Everything going even for myself, you know, even for myself as I'm learning how to use it, and and you know that's for two days what we've been talking about how to make our now this team's personnel how does it fit how we're going to play what's the next steps in the press how are we going to grow it. I was going through that whole kind of process last year with this team for the first time with a brand new set of players, brand new me, brand new everything. And, and this year, I think those questions are, are going to be much easier answered or quickly answered. Whereas last year, just trying to figure out where guys went in the press took some time, you know, and, uh, you know, he watched some games and would call me saying, why are you, why are you guarding the press this way? And I'm like, well, because I got Mathis there and Mathis can't really move the way I want him to move. So we move him around and all those kinds of things. We were, we were going through last year during games. You know, we were going through last year during the season. I think this year we're able to do it now. We're doing it in August, September, October, where hopefully by the season our press will be further along. You know, coach always uses the term. It starts out as a second grade press and then a fourth grade press. Where we're at in that, like chron- chronology, I, I don't know exactly, but but we're we're up much further ahead than we were last year. So you're still married sure. to this. I mean, th- this I will, year two will include this again. I'm a believer. If if 
if I went into it as a whatever percentage believer, 80, 90, 100, whatever it is, after last season, I, I don't think there's any going back for me at this for, for my coaching career. I, I don't really see another way to do it based on um, really how last year went. I mean, I, I know we were picked. Our guys know we were picked. Our guys believe in it now. I believe in it. Um, and, and I'm hopeful with our elevation, with our ability to recruit players to it now, which we've done. Um, it's just going to kind of continue to snowball and get better. So he mentioned recruiting players to his system. He mentioned last year where everybody had them picked and you mentioned your team, six foot six center. Yeah. Um, part of this, I would think is, is just to bridge the gap. Um, part of this system is, is to bridge that talent gap. Do you not then think about changing things up when maybe you recruit to the system and maybe you have the talent? No, no. I, I believe as you plug in, the genuine talents, the real talents into the system. Now the win total jumps again and the, the, you have the ability to win in the postseason where, where the top programs are judged. And I, I believe New Mexico's on their way in, in that, in that, in that regard, uh, where it's all about what do they do in the NCAA tournament, which is down the line, okay? Yeah. But it, that's coming. And, and, and for the top, when you talk about the top teams in the country, that's what it's about. You start to expect 25 plus wins, okay? That, that a team is, is gonna, will, will go to that. It's kind of a good magic number, yeah. Yeah, it's, I think 25 is a magic number. When you win 25 games, you're doing something right there. You've got something going on. And then when you have a consistent, uh, level of, of 25. That bar, you're setting the bar very high. And, and um, so, and I, I really think you're going that way. But you plug in the, when you plug in the top guys, and now they have an open court, they have the ball in their hand, the, the, this is the style of play. It's up and down. That's, that's what the people want to see. That's what the kids want to play. And the end, we come in and we watch and we can see right away. What's the effort, okay, of the kid? What's his skill set? What's his understanding? And 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 the whole thing. That's what we're looking for every every time we we go out. Well, I asked you guys both kind of for the that sort of worst case scenario when coaches might jump, um, might abandon it. A um, yeah. couple times last year that I thought this team had every chance to do that if they wanted right. to. On the flip side, though, when it's at its best, and and I spoke with you briefly a year ago um, about this, and you kind of told me, you kind of explained there's a moment in a game sometimes when you can see the other team. I don't know if breaking's the right word. Maybe it is, but I, I'm curious if yeah, you breaking, can think of that. Crack, crack, there isn't any, any question. Now, sometimes people people uh, will uh, differ on what they're saying and how they cracked, why they cracked, but but it definitely comes. And sometimes I, I, I see a lot of teams, uh, because I see more college games than any college coach, because they're that's my job. I'm out there trying to find the next guy. Okay. And, and so I see teams that can play for 30 of the 40 minutes and they, they're well coached. The players do just what they're supposed to do, but they don't, they can't finish the game. They can't play for the 40 minutes. Now, sometimes against the pressure, to, and you'll see that this year, uh, some of those teams will crack very early. They won't be able to deal with it. It'll be too much. And what's that like when they crack though? I'm, I'm well, 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 what happens, you see, on the, on the bench, the coach, the coach, it's embarrassing to the other coach. 
because he's lost control, okay? He, he can't control the temple. Every night, West Virginia controls the temple. Every night, New Mexico controls the temple. Now, I didn't say they're going to win the game. I didn't say they're the better team. But they control the temple with this style of play. And so what happens when, they, when the team breaks or cracks, the coaches, uh, the coaches uh, it, it, it's turmoil, it's confusion on the bench. The players on the other team start pointing figures. It's not my fault. It's human nature, okay? And and then you see guys kind of running away from the ball. They don't want it. The whole, don't let someone else. Th- it's too, it's too much. And of course, the the players on West Virginia, on New Mexico, on my old teams, it shocks the the, the blood. They sense it. They feel it. And and. You know, it's a beautiful thing when it's going your way. Do you ever, I mean, did you ever catch yourself as a coach cracking a smile or? Well, well, or? well yeah. See, and it was, and I mean, I worked on it, studied it, you know, watched the, the, the films endlessly. Yeah. My assistant coaches would, would make the statement. And now mo- most head coaches would fi- fire the guys on the spot. Coach, why don't we let them score the first couple of baskets? So they think it's going to be easy, okay? And, and lure then, them in then, a little then, bit. Yeah, you lure them in, and now you got them, okay? Now, now you've got them. They're playing our way. It's going to be up and down. They're in trouble, okay? Because that's how much confidence the assistant coaches, that's how it had grown in them. This is, this is what, uh, uh, what was going to happen. And, like, when we played Indiana, and Paul and I talked about that last night. Most most uh, college coaches will put a very good right-handed scorer down on the left side of the floor against the pressure because they want to get the ball down and throw it to him so now he can operate, go to work. And uh, I, I told our assistant coaches, I said, if Alfred has to come down the floor, Indiana can't get the ball up the, the court because I don't think they'll be able to get the ball inbounds and up the floor. The game's over because now we'll wear him out because he can't. And, and that's exactly what happened. And, and we contained Alfred and, and we wore the team out. And that's how we won. So a lot of people think of the press as just what's happening as they're right. inbounding in the backcourt. Right. right. And they don't they don't understand. It's not just about the steals. Yeah. It's about the wear down is a major thing, because now the team, the key players on the other team, they lose their legs. OK. In the second half. And, and they can't do what's necessary, okay? You, you, you see it all the time. In basketball, the, th- the thing runs right. Why, why do players, so many of, of players, their careers end when they can no longer change ends, okay? So they're made to go play in the, the big three. They're that half-court yeah. half game where they're playing 12 feet, 15 yeah. feet in, 20 feet in. They can't change ends. And, and that, it's a young man's game, up and down, up and down. And every now and then there's, there's a guy who comes along who's, who's, who's special, who has the longevity, but they're few and far between. If, if you can't change ends, if you can't play over the full court, you're in big trouble against this. And very few teams in reality can because they don't allow it to go on in their gym. I want to ask you, was there any moment last year, I don't know, maybe specific game or maybe a, a broader um, window there of, of maybe a week or two, a span of a few games where you started to realize that it really was clicking and, and you, you kind of got the enjoyment a little bit. He was talking about of when you see it really working and you could see other teams. I don't know if you ever thought another team was breaking at any point last year, but you, you saw this clicking and you knew it was because of the press. 
Yeah, I think as anybody that watched this in conference probably saw, we were a much better second half team, and we were a much yeah. better kind of final four or five minutes team, and not just defensively, uh, as he yeah. said. And, and, and I, I told this to coach last night. I, I I don't even know how much of it was us getting better over the course of the year, as much as I've been on the I've been on the other side not playing this way. And when you get into games in January and February, you're just like, hey, let's keep everybody healthy. Let's get to our walkthrough. Nothing live today. Let's not go hard. And I think as the year went on, maybe we weren't even getting in better shape. Maybe we were just staying the shape we were in, but other teams were slowly getting kind of in less shape. And it just gave us a little window there to kind of sneak up and start to win some games. And then we got confidence and then eventually finished the season pretty strong. All right. Um, I'll, I'll wrap this up with sort of the moving forward thing. Why, uh, why would a coach call in year two, mm-hmm. call him back this year? Um, why, why did you decide to call Kevin for, for year two. Um, when the message was sent last year, I mean, he, yeah. he probably laid the groundwork. What did you want out of year two? And then I'm going to ask him the same kind of what his message is in year two to you. But why why would you call him for a second year when the, that groundwork was laid a year ago? Yeah, two things. One, I thought that I think it would be important for especially our players to know who he is. You know, last year when he came out and met, it was really just me and him and our staff watching a bunch of film, like learning about it. And, uh, I, you know, I try and have an open relationship with our guys and communicate with them in multiple different ways. And I just want to know who he was. I said, hey, guys, before I got the job last year, I, I, or I'm sorry, after I got the job last yeah. year, I called Kevin. He was the one that kind of really got me down this road. And I wanted him to come back, and I wanted him to watch a practice and see how we do things and pick it apart and tell me how we can get better because I want to take the next step now. Like, we, we did Chapter 1, and now it's time to kind of – take another step in all this. And I wanted kind of his insights to, to just listen to, you know, and, and even aside from the press stuff, just talking to coach, like he, he sees things very similar to the way I do with recruiting, with players, with relationships, with management of a team, et cetera, et cetera. I, 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 I when he says stuff, like I, I, I just find myself nodding my head a lot, you know, and, and that, every coach is different. That doesn't make him the best of all time or me the best for listening to him. Every coach has their own personality, their own way of coaching. And I just find a lot of things he says and does. I find myself just agreeing. And I just thought it would be important for him to kind of continue to help me grow and develop. And then also for our players to know who he is and just know where this comes from. What about you? How First of all, how often do coaches call you a second time? Well, I mean, that's the proofs in the pudding. And I think Paul... Paul initiated it. He stuck with it through some hard times, and and they grew. The team grew. He understands it's a process. It takes uh, it takes X number of years. You get better at it personally. I, at the beginning, when I started, I tried to get everything that was written, everything that was said by the gurus of the day, uh, John Wooden, sure. the 221, uh, De- Denny Crum, who came from John Warden or worked for John Warden, uh, went to Louisville, did the, did the 2-1. Two, two some er, An area high school coach who used the 1-2-1-1, the, one, 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 the diamond, which, you know, later I, I turned into the run and stun, and I used it in high school and, and had a tr- tremendous success with it. it in high school, with great with great high school players, and that Boston. is the, probably the, the the best comparison to exactly what you were running was the, is the diamond press. Order. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a diamond one two one one, okay. and and then every coach adapts it and and puts in their own 
tweaks and, sure. and the whole thing. And and then also the press changes depending on the personnel that's in there because you, you have the press is one way with the first five. It's another way w- with the second five because they have dis- different physical tools and they have different abilities and different understanding of how to play. But it's a process. And, and as you educate yourself in it, because in some ways it's uncharted territory as far as uh, you're playing over the full court. You have all different types of players, okay? Different types of, of the different types of human beings. I mean, you always have to remember they're people, not X's and O's. They're not robots right. as much as some nights we would like them to be, okay? They're human beings. And so with, with the strengths and weaknesses of, of, of uh, human beings. And so, I mean, he's, he's growing uh, the, the press. His mind is open and he's taking a step. He's much more knowledgeable today than he was last year about the whole thing. And he and I can see the difference in, in, in the players, in the structure, in what's going on. And, and the arrow is is pointing up. Uh, so it's very, it's very exciting. It, cer- it certainly isn't the classic coaching tree where he was once your assistant or something like that. But do you take a little bit of pride when you see what Bobby... What Bob Huggins is doing, yeah, yeah, well, what so, Paul's doing now. It's, 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 it's only natural, and I mean, and we're all we're all we're as different as our appearance and our backgrounds. Okay, yeah. the, take the three of us. All right, Bobby and I are older. I'm older than Bobby. Okay, Paul's a young coach. He's been very successful. Okay, great great season at New Mexico State. He he comes here and. and to a talent diminished program last year and has a tremendous year, okay, going through and ended up winning 19 games going to the finals of, of his tournament. And, and, uh, and now he's, he's done a nice job recruiting. He's picked up a couple of big name transfers and, and this, uh, I, I don't want to mention yeah. any name. He, he has the makings of what I think is going to be a very, fun, exciting team for, for the fans here this year. I'll wrap it up with that. First of all, I do appreciate your time. I yeah. know I, I kind of sprung uh, this all on you this yeah. morning before you got out of town. I do appreciate that. Paul, I thank you for, for being a part of this too. Um, I'm not going to put you on the spot for, for too much of this, but there is one name in this town that uh, I think people want to hear a comment about if you can do it, Yeah, and uh, that's Danny Granger. Well, Dan, Danny was one of the, I can talk about that. Danny was one of the all-time great uh, Pacers. He, he was an all-star. He was, he represented the Pacers, uh, five-star guy, first-class guy. And he was tremendous with the people. He's dearly loved uh, in, in, uh, in Indianapolis and in Indiana. And uh, he, he, he was, he, he, we were right on him. Larry Bird. Was 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 right on him, and he had a great career. He's tremendous for the Pacers, and say say hi to him for me. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, so he was a special. Mel Daniels would be another one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, God rest Mel's soul. And I became, uh, you know, very close to Mel. We were working together. Mel's one of the greatest players that ever played. You know, he's in the Hall of Fame and one of the toughest guys, the nicest guy off the floor. We go. We drive under a bridge, and, and it'd be the homeless. He'd stop, stop the car. car he, 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 he'd get out, and he'd have all equipment and stuff in the back, food. He'd give it all. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, all right? Then, I, you know, 
I haven't seen many people do that. Right. And Mel did that. All right. Then on the floor, when he play, he take your head off. I mean, he <laughs> he take you know he was a uh, twenty rebound a guy. Uh, you know his rebound totals were mind mind blowing. He he was a great basketball player, but he was a a better a better person. You can tell I'm showing my age a little bit when I say there's one Lobo that I should mention and. And it's yeah. Danny Green. Yeah, yeah. Well, a different right, era would right, definitely right. be thinking Mel Daniels yeah. was who I was saying. Yeah, Mel. yeah. Brought up Mel yesterday to the guy. Yeah, cool yeah. Greg Oden story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mel was the only one who's when Greg was in high school because yeah. the first time I saw Greg, I had just you know gone. Greg, got, got, you Greg yeah, Greg yeah. Oden. I went to they played the uh, state championship in our building, so you know I'm I'm watching the game. That was before they put rules that we couldn't go see this and that. Yeah. And that. So I'm watching the game and I said, how can they let a a 35-year-old seven-foot guy playing high school. They, everyone started laughing. They said, Kevin, he's 15. I said, 15. I said, there's no way. I said, I'm looking at him. I said, look at his face. He's all wrinkled and, and, and the beard. And I said, he's 15 years old. And I said, well, he's got to be the, the number one 15-year-old in the world. And, and then, of course, they, they said he was, okay? And then I watched him for three years. I said, this is another Bill Russell, all right? I mean, this guy is, he just makes you win the game, all right? And I mean, he was, he was fantastic. And then he went he went to Ohio State one year, and then the injury started a little bit. And then Kevin Pritchett drafted him at Portland. Okay, and, and of course, of course uh, you know, if if Greg had been healthy, it would have been completely different in Port in Portland. But as we know, uh, you know, his his legs went out, and he couldn't do it. Mel said in high school, he made the statement. That kid will never be able to play in the NBA. His his upper body, his lower body won't be able to support his upper body. He's going to get too big, too heavy, too strong, and his legs won't support it. I said, how do you know that? And he said, because of my career, what I went through myself, what other players went through, and my horses. It, Mel had, had 13 horses that he would sell and groom, and he always tried to keep 13 horses. He, he had he, he was a rancher, a farmer with, with 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 the horses. He loved his wife used to say Mel loves the horses more than more than he, he, he loves me. Uh, but Mel loved the horse, and you know it, I said to him, Mel, that's you sound like an old jealous young uh, old man that, that that your time your time came uh, too soon, yep. and now the money that's there for these kids is mind blowing. Okay, and I said I understand. The money you you'd be at the top of the pay scale if you were playing today, and and he said I am jealous of that. He, <laughs> I'm jealous of that. He says, but that's going to happen. You watch. They're and, both and, true. <laughs> and, and both true, and it happened, and it happened. Well, just to uh, let you know, um, I'll wrap it up because you kind of broke my heart a little bit as a Portland Trailblazer fan. Not only was Greg Odin, yeah, um, the guy picked after him pretty good, but uh, as a Trailblazer fan, um, that's not the first time the the Trailblazers had a chance to. To take somebody pretty good and went with somebody else instead, and yeah, and it didn't exactly work no, out. No, Sam although, although, yeah, they had a guy named Michael right. Jordan right yeah, after I understand. him. That no, could've... and that's true. But let me say this about Durant, and I was, I was over the moon about Durant, how good I thought he was. But I would have taken. I, I what Durant has done has not surprised me. When I saw him, I wrote, he's unstoppable. Okay, yeah. I, I said this guy. It's like he invented uh, offense for a seven-footer. I mean, he, he he's a seven-foot scoring guy. I mean, it, it's you can't match up with that guy. He's just incredible talent. 
And then he's so committed, he works so hard. You know, I've learned a lot about him, and I've studied him and, yeah. and the whole thing. And he goes to, they run, Kevin Durant camp, he plays with the high school kids. He plays every game. He plays with the college kids. These A lot of these other guys, they don't want to be there. They're only there to fulfill a contract. Sure. Okay? And, and you can see it in their body language. He's playing all the games, okay? He loves the game. He's always working to give it. But as much as I loved him, as much, this Odin, if Odin was healthy, o o o Odin would be a... Portland didn't make the wrong dominant. pick. No, no. Health. We were right. All right, you got to fight back. Yeah. I'll let you guys go. I appreciate you doing this. Paul, again, thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate it, guys. All right, well, there you go. Kind of a, a little bit of an abrupt ending there at the end, but it was because I knew I had already taken too much of uh, of his time. He still had to go grab some breakfast and uh, catch a flight back to Indianapolis. So Kevin Mackey, uh, very much appreciate his time. Interesting stories to tell. Um, certainly those are the kind of stories, those are the kind of interviews around the program, not just talking to a coach after a game, not just talking to a coach during press conferences or talking to a player with a sports information director sitting next to them um, with them being very guarded and what they feel they can say or not. So um, I want to bring the stories like this. Kevin Mackey's a big part of this program and a guy that most Lobo fans probably have no idea who he is, couldn't recognize in the street, um, although he looks he's a dead ringer for Ray Liotta. So I think a lot of people... Um, if they saw him, would probably confuse him for Ray Liotta. Anyway, uh, the point being, these are the types of stories I want to bring you with some of these podcasts, and I, I was happy to get this one in. Um, Kevin Mack is a character, man. He's uh, he's an interesting one. I hope you enjoyed it. hope you enjoyed that Paul Weir agreed to kind of be a part of it. There will be an accompanying story with this posting later this week in the Albuquerque Journal um, for a print story, obviously online as well, at abqjournal.com. You can jump right to sports by putting a slash sports at the end of that. Let me know what you think of this podcast. Any other topics you want us to cover, um, any feedback you give would be greatly appreciated. If you get to us on iTunes, give us a rating there. Um, five stars are better than than uh, the rest, but uh, I'll take whatever your honest critique of the podcast is. So appreciate you for listening. Give me your feedback on Twitter at Jeff Grammer. Email ggrammer at abqjournal.com. Let us know what you think. Also, if you have interest in, in advertising with us, let me know. Reach out to me. And uh, I will get you in touch with the right people. So until next time, this was episode 15 of the Talking Grammar podcast. Thanks for listening.